Hey, Cloudcast community, listen up. Today's show is sponsored by Datadog, a cloud-scale monitoring and analytics platform. Datadog was built to bring clarity to complex dynamic applications, whether they're in the cloud, on-prem, in containers, or wherever you run your applications. With powerful dashboards, seamless integrations, and more than 250 technologies they can monitor, Datadog has you covered. Whether it's AWS, Azure, Google services, your popular open source projects and products, or web security and APIs, Datadog can help you monitor them and help you collaborate around troubleshooting them and make sure they're running great. Datadog provides deep end-to-end visibility into the health and performance of modern applications. So try it yourself. Get yourself a free 14-day trial. Go to datadoghq.com slash cloudcast. That's datadoghq.com slash cloudcast to try out your free 14-day trial. And if you try it out, let them know your friends at Cloudcast sent you, and they'll send you a great, uh, wonderful, soft, awesome t-shirt with the Datadog logo on it. I wear mine all the time. So once again, that's datadoghq.com slash cloudcast. Thanks for listening, and here comes the show. Cloudcast Media presents, from the Massive Studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast. We're coming to you live from the massive studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is Aaron, just me today. Um, Brian wasn't able to uh, make it this week, but we've got a a great guest and a a great conversation uh, teed up for everyone today. Um, We have uh, Brad Rideski, founder of Drone.io. How are you doing today, Brad? I'm doing great, Aaron. Thanks for having me. And first of all, did I get the last name correct? Close. Close. <laughs> I felt like I stumbled a bit when I was going you know, through it's, I've learned to live with that my whole life. So. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. So, so first of all, welcome to the show. Uh, can you share with everyone a little bit uh, about your background? Sure. Uh, starting with the present, I, I do open source development full time. Uh, I run a project called Drone. It's a continuous integration uh, server that focuses on you know containers and container workflows. Uh, before that, I spent uh, ten years uh, doing engineering for a large corporation uh, focused in the financial industry. And before that, I was in school. I majored in business and French, so not technology. But uh, that was in the 90s when everyone was building web pages, and, and that's kind of how I fell in love with, with technology, and that jump-started my career. So, so from business in French to open-source coding. I know, right? <laughs> that's, that's really interesting. But, but the backstory of Drone is, is interesting as well, and it's quite timely. Can you share with everyone a little bit about, you know, how it came to be the, your thoughts on it all and, and kind of the, the pains that you personally experienced that, that gave birth to all of this. Yeah. So I I can talk through that in, in kind of in three little stories. Uh, one that'll take us back to, I think maybe 2005. Uh, I was working at a really large corporation and, and this was before, uh, cloud was was really a thing. I, I think Amazon Web Services was was just getting started at the time, but uh, in these days, you know, when when we needed infrastructure, we we had to open a ticket and they would send a, a purchase order to Dell, and you would wait a few months, and and that server would end up on your uh, loading dock, and and they would 
Uh, that would then sit there for a while until you could get the right person to, uh, you know, set it up for you. And then they had to install the, the software and the patches. And, and this whole process took like six months. And the first time I needed a CI server, uh, I think it took me eight months to get that procured. <laughs> uh, yeah, by, by the time it was, it was ready, the project was over. I didn't need it anymore. Uh, so, so that was kind of the start of when I was sitting there thinking like, wow, I, I wish this was easier. Uh, the, the second little story was a few years later, uh, again, this was at a big enterprise and, and we were a big Java shop and we were upgrading from, I remember like JDK four to JDK five and it was exciting times cause we could use, uh, annotations and, and a whole host of other features. And, and so we're going to upgrade our, our Jenkins instances and, uh, find out we can't. Well, why not? Because the rest of the organization is, is not ready to upgrade Java and, and we can't upgrade Java on the machine until everyone else is ready. And so, you know, you, you see that lack of, of isolation uh, that that's a blocker uh, for organizations. And, and the idea that as a developer, I couldn't control the tools that I was using to get my job done. I, I had to ask other people and I was highly dependent on, on other people in the organization and, and it slowed things down. And then the third story comes from just a few years ago. I was actually at a large, uh, a major technology company here in the Bay Area, and I needed a Jenkins plugin installed. Of course, I didn't have the permissions to manage any of my Jenkins jobs or, or plugins. And uh, I had to open up a ticket, and then I had to go to a scrum and talk about why I needed it. And then 60 days later, you know, someone finally installed the plugin for me. And, and again, by then, I really didn't need it anymore. Uh, it wasn't as useful to me as when I needed it. And so kind of the broad theme of the pain points that I experienced and led me to to want to create drone was just not being empowered to do my job. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And it, it fits into some of the, you know, larger trends in our industry that, that we've been talking about on this podcast for a while now. And, you know, of course, you can, you know, you could literally with those stories kind of write the the origin story for DevOps, you could write the origin story for CICD, right? There's a lot of things that yeah. come out of all of that. And, and everyone likes to, you know, talk about, okay, here's how here's all the problems we wanted to solve. But but then also, I wanted to kind of just explore with you for a little bit here of, okay, what is the current state of that industry today? Like how far have we really come? Because we hear those stories and, you know, it's, I think that first story went back a good 12, 13 years, but at the same time, we still hear those stories on a regular basis today. And so, you know, give me kind of a, you know, step back for a second. What, what is your larger thoughts on, on the progress of the industry and the state of CICD tools in the industry today? Sure. Well, I think we've made a tremendous amount of, of progress, right? And, and if you look at a lot of the problems that I was describing and, and the challenges I faced, whether it was, uh, you know, 12 years ago or just a couple years ago, uh, surprise, right? The answer to a lot of those solutions is, is containers. And I've, I've been incredibly impressed by the speed at which a lot of big companies have adopted containers. Uh, it, it it wasn't a trend that 
you know, no, normally I would expect large, large organizations to take years to adopt these sort of technologies. And especially in the context of CI and CD, we saw them adopt them almost immediately. So I think it, I was just incredibly surprised at how, how quickly that happened. Yeah. And, and so, and, and it helped me out a little bit with that too. Like in, in your experience, was that, was that the, you know, containers in general, was that Docker? Because a lot of people tend to, and we'll get to a little bit of why, you know, drone and the origins with Docker there a little bit here in a second, but, but, you know, was it, Docker equals containers, in your opinion, for the longest time, because it seemed like at a higher level, that's kind of what it was for the industry and, and how Docker, you know, big D Docker, the company rose to such prominence so quickly. But, you know, give give us your insight on that. Absolutely. So actually, the original version of drone, the very first version used LXC containers. And, you know, those worked quite well. But uh, I, I mean, what Docker brought to the table was the ability to easily share images. And I think that was really a game changer. They, they made the install process, you know, relatively simple and seamless. In fact, the original Docker was built right on top of LXC and just wrapped it with a ton of conveniences. So I think that was a major shift uh, for the industry was, was the way Docker approached it. And in fact, there were a ton of people doing stuff with containers and no one really just had the foresight to just think, wow, we, if we just give people a, uh, an image repository, that kind of changes everything. So I think that's where Docker really innovated. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And then, and then to take it one step further. So, so, you know, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth here, but, the, but it, it was a little bit of like, okay, you saw Docker, you saw containers, you saw the problems you were trying to solve. And, and so that is the ultimate origin story of drone and and so drone is at its heart if i if i read about it correctly it is go and docker based as the underlying technologies is that a correct statement yes the lowest level primitive when you configure your pipeline and your pipeline steps you are defining them as a series of containers that are being executed so you could actually think of drone merely as an orchestration system that just happens to specialize in in ci and cd Ah, okay. Okay. So that, that's really interesting to me because now if I kind of take it one step further and say, okay, where does, does drone come into play, you know, in this concept of, uh, I, I read a um, new stack article, uh, about it and, you know, like they, they call it one click build environments, right? So expand a little bit on what that means. Um, you know, how would you fit into say, an existing pipeline today and, and what problems are you trying to solve? Like, you know, help everyone a little bit with taking that theoretical and turning it into practical. Sure. So, you know, let's touch on one of the major pain points uh, that I faced years ago, which was right. I, I needed to upgrade some software in my CI environment and I had to open up a ticket to do it. Um, and then I couldn't because right. Uh, I, not everyone was using that same version of Java, you know, from the, from that prior example. So let's look at how containers and drones specifically can solve that. So I'm a developer, and I wanted to find a pipeline, and I need to use Java or Node. Uh, so first of all, I don't have to open a ticket or ask anyone to set up or install anything. I check in a small YAML file right into my GitHub repository, and drone is going to read that YAML file, 
And in that YAML file, I'm going to define my pipeline steps as a series of Docker containers. So if I need to use a particular version of Java, I say, okay, for this particular step, I need a Docker image. I need this exact version of Java down to the, the minor version if I want to. And what happens is when drone uh, executes your pipeline, it's going to automatically download all of those Docker images on the fly, make sure they're up to date. And then it's going to execute your pipeline steps in those isolated environments. So that solves kind of two major problems that we've faced, you know, in the years past, which is, you know, number one, there's nothing to install. Drone handles all of that. And then number two, your, your environments are isolated. So different teams can use different technologies or different versions of technologies uh, as they see fit. And, and how, um, how cross-platform is all of this then? Because I imagine there has to be some kind of, you know, integrations that it has to do at some level, right, to make all of this work. I, you know, it, in order to be seamless, it has to have a certain amount of knowledge or intelligence built into it, correct? Uh, yes. Yeah, so where drone has, I think, all of that knowledge and intelligence built in is really interacting with various version control systems. So drone supports five or six different um, source code management systems, GitHub, GitHub Enterprise, GitLab, Bitbucket, Bitbucket Server, uh, GOGS, and a few other open source ones. And so drone has a ton of intelligence built in so that when you log into drone, you click one button uh, and say activate my repository and drone can go and, and configure everything with your source code management system automatically so that every time a developer opens a pull request or pushes code or tags a repository, that drone can be notified you know, seamlessly of those changes uh, to launch builds. So there's a lot of intelligence uh, there around interacting with, with the source code management systems. Ah, that makes sense. Okay, perfect. And then, so, so how are users kind of implementing this today? And what I mean by that is, okay, you know, I get the the origin or like how we're getting the code and we're doing the requests and we're, you know, doing the going down the pipeline. Mm -hmm. Th then it kicks it out to something. <laughs> right. And, and you know, at the end of the day, it is about code, but it is about how are we using that code? Right. So so then what happens after it kind of kicks out the back end, if I use that term? Sure. So. I mean, the, the way it pretty much works is, so if you imagine a pipeline, uh, a developer, you know, might configure it to, right, it's going to clone your code, it's going to run your tests, it might spin up some test containers uh, to emulate your environment and execute uh, integration tests. And then uh, it might build your binaries. And then maybe it builds and publishes a Docker image. And then maybe it kicks off a uh, step that takes that Docker image and uh, deploys it uh, to Kubernetes as a pod, for example. So I think that would be the ideal output uh, of a standard pipeline would be uh, building a Docker image and then uh, deploying that to your environment. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And... And tell everyone a little bit about some of the the use cases that you can talk about, because, you know, in kind of doing my research here, there were some some pretty interesting 
use cases and sizes and, you know, a certain amount of like, when we talk about CICD, we're talking about a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so tell everyone a little bit about this scale, because I found that really interesting and the, the kind of the momentum behind it in like per day deployments and things like that. Sure. Um, I mean, it's, a, it's incredible. So, I mean, it's a really challenging problem space because really the requirements for a CICD system are, are virtually unbounded. Everyone wants to do it slightly differently, and you have to handle all these different use cases. So drone has to be able to scale from a four-person startup that just wants to run on one server and has maybe simple Heroku deployments to, uh, you know, picture the largest, you know, one, one of the largest Fortune 50 multinational companies that that's using it for uh, thousands of developers that are are deploying Kubernetes or building mobile apps, uh, you have to really run the gamut of, of, of use cases here. Um, and so it's really taken five years to develop drone and, uh, work with all these companies and, and make sure drone is flexible enough to, to handle all these, uh, various use cases. Um, you know, in terms of scale, uh, I'm always blown away by how people are using it. I mean, there are companies, that are using drone with you know thousands of developers in their organization, scaling to hundreds of, of instances of build machines and doing. Uh, there's one company that's doing ten thousand deploys a day with drone. Yeah, that's impressive. <laughs> yeah. That's impressive it's, scale, without okay. a doubt. Now. So, but that though, whenever I think about that kind of that that size. It, Im- it immediately comes to my mind of, okay, the operations side of all of this, like there's scale, there's scale up and scale down. There's, there's upgrades, there's security issues. Like how, uh, what are kind of some of the thought pr- process and the evolution when it comes to um, solving those issues and, and kind of developing and hardening drone over time? Like what, what has been your experience with that? Uh, it's very tedious. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, these are, you know, they're all solvable problems, but you generally, it, they can just be very tedious to solve and you have to really break them down to the core simple problem and start to come up with, you know, here are all the failure points and you just have to address them one by one over time. And of course, that's been really hard to do with drone because we spent kind of five years in, in this beta. We're almost like Gmail. In that we're in this like never <laughs> right. that's coming to an end here soon. Uh, so you know, I think it's focusing on all these failure points and and understanding where drone can fail, uh, where it fails the most often, and and how you can uh, build that right into the platform to be more uh, resilient to those failures. So some things we did early on in terms of scaling and and failing and failover is uh, we have an auto scaler that we built. So it actually uh, pings your your build queue, and uh, as your build queue uh, increases, Drone can automatically provision servers for you. And then as your build queue uh, decreases, maybe towards the end of end of your workday, Drone can automatically scale those back down. Uh, with the added benefit of as as Drone is provisioning new servers and recycling servers. Uh, you're taking advantage of uh, some automated upgrades. So maybe it's using a newer version of Docker or maybe it's using a newer minor version of Drone uh, so that you can benefit from some of the fixes uh, that we're making. 
Um, and yep. go ahead. Then Autoscaler can you know detect uh, you know anomalies in your build environment. We call them zombie builds. You know maybe uh, maybe one of your servers dies. Uh, and is no longer available, and, and that build is kind of stuck in this zombie state where it never completed. And and so the autoscaler can detect these and and try to react to and relaunch. Uh, so it's it's kind of like a very brute force solution uh, to the problem. Yeah, but but that that housekeeping sometimes makes all the difference, right? And and how yeah. do you? Well, and I, I'm assuming it's an issue. You, first of all, I'll ask you: Is it an issue? And if it is, how do you handle it? But how do you handle that? The almost the concept of multi-location, right? Whether it's uh, you know AWS on-prem, like if you're, let's just say, for instance, you're you're deploying to you know Kubernetes pod. Sure. Not that, you know, a, a pod may not necessarily always be created equally, right? There's always nuances to the different services or the, or the different platforms. And, you know, is that an architectural challenge as well? And what are kind of, the, kind of some of the design considerations there? Sure. Um, so there's kind of two parts. So in terms of running drone in, in drone itself, uh, in multiple clouds or hybrid clouds, you know, in, you know, some of your workloads are in the cloud and on premise drone actually does that quite well just because, uh, it uses a more traditional model where you have an agent that, uh, talks to a central server to accept workloads. So that agent can sit inside, um, maybe your on premise, uh, cloud, uh, and then you can have agents that are sitting inside, you know, AWS or DigitalOcean or Google or all of, all of the above. In fact, I, I'm using Drone, I think, across four, four different clouds right now for my uh, own, own install. And so Drone actually handles that uh, relatively well. And we just had to work in some network. Um, you know, the, the biggest challenge we face there is really just networking, making sure that uh, network disruptions uh, don't cause, uh, cause any issues. So that surprisingly ha- hasn't been incredibly challenging. Um, you know, in, in terms of... You know, the, the second part to that is how do we support, uh, you know, Kubernetes or how do we support Kubernetes in, in um, multiple availability zones or how, how do we support uh, complex deployment requirements from our customers? And the, the way we've dealt with that is uh, really just the way Drone handles plugins. So, um you know, Drone doesn't really dictate how you're going to deploy to Kubernetes. Uh, in fact, Drone doesn't even know what Kubernetes is. Drone just knows that it executes a series of, of container steps. And one of the cool decisions we made really early on was in how we handled plugins, which I think we did in a, in a pretty innovative way, uh, which is that plugins are just Docker containers, uh, reusable logic that you define in your pipeline. So... Uh, if a company has really complex requirements for deployments, they can actually create their own drone plugin and bundle all that logic uh, right into a Docker image and share that across their organization uh, and share those deployment strategies across the organization. And then what we hope they do is that they they publish those plugins to GitHub, they publish them to the Docker registry, and then they can share them with the broader drone community. Ah, okay. So that, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah, I really like that. So... I think with that, I think I've been pretty exhaustive with all of all of the uh, kind of you know questions I've wanted to ask because I've I thought it was just super interesting technology and, and solving some pretty practical problems today. Um, 
With that, Brad, where can everyone find out more about you, find out more about Drone? Um, I'm going to put uh, links in the show notes to like GitHub, Twitter, blog, etc. But um, go ahead and, and tell everyone where they can find out more information. Sure. Uh, they can find us on GitHub at github.com slash drone. They can follow us on Twitter at, at drone.io and uh, our website, drone.io. Fantastic. And with that, um, that is all the time we have for today. Uh, Brad, thank you very much for your time. And on behalf of Brian, who wasn't able to make it, uh, thank you everyone for listening and we'll talk to everyone next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 